Hello and welcome to the 4P Management Podcast with Sudhir. In today's podcast, I am really excited to have as my guest Lisa L. Leve. Lisa is the founder of L Cubed Consulting, a company that helps entrepreneurs future-proof their business operations by building an adaptive culture and structure. Lisa is also an author of two books, Future Proofing Cubed and also Gift of the Universe Through Women You Lead. Her company has been awarded the top change management consulting company by HR Tech Outlook. Her secret sauce to success is leveraging key elements of project management, process performance management, internal controls and organizational change management to build teams with the skills and capabilities to drive strategic results. Welcome Lisa to the podcast. It's an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the show. Sudhir, it's my, my, my pleasure to be here. I'm absolutely grateful for the opportunity to talk to your audience. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Lisa, for your time. So before I delve deeper into talking to you about people and process performance management, I wanted to know more about you. Right? As I read through your experience, you know, throughout your career, it occurred to me that you follow your heart and intuition. Uh, you know, from graduating in electronic media management to being a project manager working with large companies, you know, at a senior position, and then eventually starting L-Cubed Consulting. Tell me about your journey. I, I would love to say that it was strategically planned, but um, your your insight into following my intuition is probably a really great description of that, and I consider it to be somewhat of an accidental journey which is so counter to the things that I teach and work with my clients to do and plan to be on purpose. My journey started out, I really, as a teenager, wanted to direct movies. I wanted to be a great film director. And I started my degree work in electronic media management to understand the the common description of that would have been video production. Let's just call it what it, what it is, not the fancy. Mm -hmm degree name that they came up with at the university to learn oh. some, some basic skills. And when I graduated, I learned that with that degree, I could go to work for a news station and earn basically minimum wage. I could flip burgers at McDonald's or I could do something else entirely. Yeah. And that was a critical change in my path because I found information technology. Personally, I'm not a technologist, but the skills that I learned in video production are the basis of project management. So I had transferable skills that I was able to apply to an industry that in the mid-1990s was booming. Mm -hmm. And so I took a left turn and mm -hmm. followed down this path. And I love the idea of a project something that has a discrete beginning and an end. Mm -hmm. My attention span isn't necessarily all that long and the idea of doing the same thing every day over and over and over again was horrifying. But these projects, they had an end and then there was something new and something different and that intrigued me. And I did work in technology and implementing systems and we were constantly deflated when we reached the end of a project and the end users hated what was happening. 
we had as a project <clears throat> felt like we had killed ourselves bent over backwards mm -hmm. to do everything that we quote unquote thought they wanted but it wasn't necessarily what they needed mm -hmm. yeah and i learned from that that there was something not working and i looked at it and i started to understand and unravel and go backwards process is critical people working the process are even more important and mm -hmm. in pulling back the layers of the onion and looking at the sequence of things it became really obvious that it starts with people mm -hmm. and then you leverage process and then you enable it with technology and if you don't have all of those parts working in the right order mm -hmm. Nothing gives you the results that you think you want, let alone the results that are actually needed by a company. So that was a huge shift in the mindset for me working in, in the space. Mm. And then along the way, I, I got tired with corporate. And so I was looking for that opportunity to do something different, which led me to building a consulting company. Okay, that's great. That's great to, uh, you know, hear from you, Lisa. So what essentially you're saying is, you know, start from people, then comes the process, and then the whole technology piece comes into picture, which actually, you know, integrates the all, all the three, uh, you know, pieces together. Absolutely. And I know, right, that I'm picking on your career, right? So the, the, the technology is always, here's a secret. It's mm -hmm. the easy piece of the puzzle hmm. because it does what it was designed to do and then what mm -hmm. we ask it to do mm -hmm. always. People in process are not that predictable. So that's where mm -hmm. the real opportunities exist in mm -hmm. any business and any corporate culture. If you tune your people and your processes, then you allow the technology to do everything it's capable of doing. Absolutely great. I think it's a great uh, relation and a great example shared. So, so this brings me to the second uh, thought, Lisa. You have a vast experience of you know over twenty years and spanning, and uh, you know and the know-how of large companies and corporations. According to you, what are the biggest challenges that these large companies are facing today, right? And how does your company L Cubed Consulting is helping to solve them? So I think that some of the problems that all businesses are facing right now, it comes back to that equation. And it really is about having the right people doing the right work, understanding how the process flows. And what I mean by that is that I as an individual know what happens before I do my work and I know what happens after I do my work. Mm -hmm. and the implications further downstream to the actual customer mm -hmm. because i think we get lost in what we do and how we do our day-to-day -day and forget that all of this only exists to serve the need of an end customer customer yeah yeah absolutely and i think the bigger the company is the bigger the corporation is the easier it is to lose sight of that customer okay all right so so you're saying that you know customer has to be at the center of every decision making and i believe you're also saying of every function 
right? Who's doing their job, right? Now, absolutely. Yeah. I, the phrase I would use is the customer is the center of the universe. Customer is the center of the universe, right? I think it's a, it's a very nice way that you have put it. So I really like it. Now, uh, you know, uh, let me just pick it up from you know some of the things that you said. That uh, you know there are there are multiple functions in a company, right? You know there are there are marketing functions, there are sales functions, there are a lot of support functions, finance, operations, logistics. Now, uh, two things for each of them, you know, uh, the customer know-how can be different, right? And then secondly, uh, you mentioned that they should know what is their effort and work resulting into in terms of customer experience. When we have so many teams working in an organization, right? How do they all, you know, as per your experience and learnings, how, how do they all work together to, you know, uh, to, you know, to do a common objective at the same time doing a different job altogether, if I have to, you know, put it that way. So on one hand, my response to that is many companies do it poorly mm -hmm. and they forget and lose sight of the customer and have enough momentum that it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate. There are some that do it exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. And that becomes, we're now talking about not just what we do and how we do it, but why we do it. And it's about corporate culture. And it's about everybody understanding that they need to be focused on that customer and mm. taking the time within a given function to understand what that means. Mm -hmm. So that starts with understanding the customer journey itself. Mm -hmm. And that is not always easy. And that is something that, you know, a, an organization needs to invest in if this is something they're going to adopt so that everybody can figure out where they fit in that. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about that experience of learning the customer journey mm -hmm. is it makes it really easy to simplify the work of the business mm. because we do lots of things every day that we think are really important that mm. may not actually add value to the customer mm. so what that means to the business is that's wasted time money and energy mm -hmm. When you understand the customer journey and then remap your processes to enable that journey and the success of the customer, you can eliminate so much waste from an organization in terms of effort with no value. Mm -hmm. It's mind boggling. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so Lisa, uh, let's say, you know, uh, when you're talking about these uh, changes and the principles, right? companies were looking for a transformation okay or looking for that change to happen when they approach you know a firm like you is there a framework or is there a set of guidelines or you know rules that you work with them you you know you work with them and take them through the journey in order to improve their whole understanding of customer experience so i guess let me tell this with a story in yeah, sure. It's 2019 and I am standing with Joe 
and he is a big man in his boots and his jeans and we're standing outside of his corporate office and he's looking a little bit uncomfortable and I said let's go inside I really want to understand what you do and he yeah. shakes his head and he hums and he haws and, and we go into the into the conference room so I have a whiteboard and I said Joe you know tell me your story and he's like Lisa I spend my days out in the field working on utility lines, ensuring that my teams are where they're supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to be doing. I hate being in this conference room. There are no windows, I can't see outside, and I just, I wanna get this conversation over with. I'm like, dude, I get it. But I'm here to make your job easier, and the only way I can do that is if you explain to me everything that's going on. I said, talk to me about your customers. Mm -hmm. Lisa, they hate us. They honestly believe that we are here making their jobs more difficult. Let me tell you about Bob. Bob designs and builds new homes. And in Phoenix, Arizona, the construction is always going gangbusters and he sells high-end homes and all he wants to be able to do is turn on the power so that the air conditioning runs, the pool pumps are running and he can sell these homes. Mm -hmm. And he believes that my team does everything in our power to keep them from getting the electricity that they need for construction and then finishing and, and selling the homes. Joe, why would he feel that way? Well, the process. Mm -hmm. When he's starting a new subdivision, he makes a phone call and he sends in a fax and I may or may not get the message and I may or may not, I, when was the last time you got a fax? And all of these things start to happen and he wants his power in three weeks. So Lisa, our process takes 20. Oh. I was speechless. And yeah. Joe, how can this possibly take 20 weeks? He says, I don't know, but I say 20 weeks because that's what we put on our marketing piece. So oh, I okay. think we're lucky if we get it out in almost 30. Mm -hmm. That's half of a year. Half of a year. So, okay, Joe, I want everybody. I want everybody who touches this process in this conference room in one week. We now have 20 people. Mm -hmm. and a big whiteboard and a lot of markers. And I start at the beginning and ask the questions, how does your customer contact you? Okay, the fax comes in, what happens with it? And we march through end to end everything that happens in this process. Mm -hmm. okay. And I looked around the room and everybody has contributed and they have stacks and stacks of papers of their process flows and all of the things that they do. And we now have it end to end represented on this ginormous whiteboard. I looked around the room at everybody and I said, when was the last time you were all together to talk about this? Mm -hmm. There was awkward silence, a couple okay. of giggles, mm -hmm. and somebody finally said, Lisa, I don't know half of the people in this room we've never met. Okay, that's, that's quite strange. That's quite unbelievable. Right? Yeah. So end to end, we're talking about a journey that they say is 20 weeks. Mm, when this yeah. team was done, understanding what the customer actually wanted, which yeah. included surveys and, and actually gathering the voice of the customer exactly. and retooling all of their processes, 20 weeks became three and a half, maybe four. Amazing. Yeah. Of hundreds of employees giving up busy work 
that added mm. no value, saving exactly. the utility company countless dollars, turning a customer journey that was hellacious into something that was frictionless. Obviously, the changes didn't happen overnight because there was a huge technology lift to make that happen. But they had a clear goal, and right. they communicated the goal to their customers, and their customers were thrilled. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful example. So yeah. I think uh, basically, so one, I think what they lacked was they didn't have you know collected anywhere the voice of the customer, right? And right. after I think after what when you presented their own, uh, you know, you know the shortcomings. I think then the plan was clear in their mind, where they need to go in terms of addressing the gap, and you know how do they satisfy the customer need, right? Yeah. So the voice of the customer is critical, right? You have to know what they want in order to solve their problem and and give them value. But they never talked across functions to understand what each team did. The Absolutely. number of redundant activities hmm. that were being done in multiple functions, not being passed forward to anybody else, and then just sort of having these deliverables that did nothing, was mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's another key uh, area, which is that uh, uh, within a large organization, I think functions work in silos. Sometimes they don't even talk to each other to understand, right? So I think that that's one one you know one key area that you're you're saying. So so I think great great to hear. I think both of it. One is the voice of the customer. Second is what you again you know mentioned. All the cross functions I think should talk to each other in a collaborative way to to you know work on the same goal of uh, satisfying the customer need. Yeah, silos create waste. Silos create a lack of understanding and knowledge and it reinforces not delivering customer value great great i think yeah great uh, great to get that uh, insight from you alisa so uh, you know just moving on see on one hand there are organizations you know examples you shared uh, in a story which are not focusing focusing too much on voice of the customer right on the other hand uh, you know uh, there are companies who focus a lot on experimentation i know they have a lot of experimentation mindset you know companies like apple tesla google who would constantly be experimenting with new ideas you know uh, you know uh, while others not that much so uh, according to you what separates them from the rest companies that build innovation into their culture and into their day-to-day -day operations are led by teams and people who understand that what's happening today will not be what's happening tomorrow change is inevitable and we're mm -hmm. constantly battling to be able to stay agile enough to deal with the next thing um the next thing is a pandemic the next thing is an economic downturn the next thing is the best of times we don't know what it's going to be but having agility and leadership that understands that change is the norm embrace innovation because we don't know what we don't know and yeah. ideas are the only way we can adapt and thrive 
Um, I love starting an innovation engine within a team because it's a fun exercise and innovation. Sometimes I guess we stop and we think of innovation and we think of the big ones, the, the, the scientific breakthroughs, the technological advancements. Most innovation isn't that exciting. Most of it is internal and process centric and service centric and doing things new in different ways. Um, those big ones are the ones that stand the test of time and we remember them historically. That's but right. being innovative isn't about looking for that. It's about looking mm -hmm. for lots of things and trying mm -hmm. lots of things. And many of them don't work. And knowing that that is absolutely okay, that that is learning and that learning applies to the next idea and then and makes it better. So starting an innovation engine is one of my favorite things to do. And it starts with a group of people and a bunch of ideas. It's one of the few times in anything we do in business where it's about the quantity of ideas and it's not about them being good. Mm -hmm. We want to have long lists of things okay. and I want to hear the silly things and I want to hear the absurd things because that's when we're starting to get creative and okay. then the brilliant ideas come. And so Apple being a great example of a large corporation that leads this way, right? Constantly ideating, hmm. testing, doing little things, and they have budgets for R&D that make most minds explode. If I just had a fraction of that budget to do anything, I'd be thrilled. But in smaller businesses, it's absolutely possible to do this. Mm -hmm. The best ideas often started the old cliche is on a bar napkin right you write it down on a little piece of paper and eureka there there it is absolutely that cost zero dollars in r d exactly yeah so the idea of generating ideas having a group of people in a room thinking through them and designing them on paper right on a whiteboard on a flip chart, you know, however you want to virtually testing whether that idea is worth investment in time, energy, money, right? And play with lots of them and pick one or two every now and then to invest some time into. If it's looking like you're getting the results you want, invest a little money into. Mm -hmm. See what happens. But that conference room prototype will weed out the ideas that you don't need to invest in, but keep your minds being creative so that you figure that out what's worthy of time and money. And experiment and know that some of them are going to explode gloriously mm -hmm. and embrace yeah. that learning. Absolutely. Thanks. I think thanks for sharing that uh, great uh, insight. Uh, when when we talk about this mindset, uh, Lisa, uh, do you think this experiment mindset can be repeatable? You know, once uh, an organization hits a Eureka moment, once it it's a breakthrough innovation, do you think it is repeatable for them? It has to be repeatable. If it's not repeated, businesses will die. And so lots of people like to talk about the 
J curve or the hockey stick growth. Yeah. Um, which is really exciting, right? When yeah. you're on that rocket ship and everything is going gangbusters, it's absolutely phenomenal. But we know that each growth cycle has a natural end. Mm-hmm. And if you're just riding that one growth cycle, the natural end is potentially the end of business. Mm-hmm. If you are constantly innovating, you are constantly creating the next growth cycle. So as one mm-hmm. thing tapers off, you're ready to move on to the next. And it is imperative for long-term existence in business that we are constantly innovating because if we aren't innovating, we are, whether we admit it or not, slowly dying. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, you're saying this uh, innovation angle or the experimentation mindset, then in a way becomes the part of the process, right? Uh, in the organization. Absolutely. And my family will tell you with great pain that mm-hmm. it's part of my life. Everything in my life is an experiment and we do all sorts okay. of social experiments at home. Um, so it's, okay. it's a mindset okay. that you can embrace anywhere. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks. Now, uh, again, as I mean, you mentioned about the family, I wanted to relate it to, uh, that then we talked about companies, you know, uh, embracing the frameworks, you know, process frameworks as well. How can individuals apply the process management framework, let's say in their careers? Okay. So there are many different types of frameworks for process management as in any discipline, right? There are many different ways to learn of the discipline. In the simplest terms, an individual does not have to invest money into large certifications where a couple of, there are three basic steps that we all can do in any role in any organization. First is, do I know what my purpose is and what I am supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Do I know my job, my process? Do I understand what happens before me in the process? And do I understand what happens after me in the process? And if I know those three things, I can ask questions along the way when things don't make sense. And I'm a big fan of the five whys and understanding why we do it. Mm-hmm. and the why behind that and the why behind that and that tool for anybody mm. if you get to the answer and this is my favorite answer mm-hmm. that's the way we've always done it every individual when you get to that answer should know that there's an opportunity to improve the effectiveness and the efficiency of that process and that process step because the way we've always done it says that they aren't continuously improving mm-hmm. and that there's probably a tremendous amount of wasted time and energy in that in that activity so before i let you go uh, again it as i think as i read through your journey it has been a, i think a roller coaster ride for you must have been uh, how would you define your entrepreneurial journey you know uh, i just wanted to hear from you how is that how it has been over was so many years you know, you followed your heart and I mean, you know, doing your consulting company, how it has been for you over the years. So the entrepreneurial journey is a roller coaster. And 
I'm not going to go into a big long story on this one, but the roller coaster is an analogy that I love to use because as we build it, we know that on a roller coaster there are twists, there are turns, and sometimes there are loop to loops.、Mm-hmm. But if we're building it for ourselves, those experiences should be joyous.、Mm-hmm. They might、yeah. be a little scary. They might be a little overwhelming. But they're also designed to be safe. All right, so air quotes, safe-ish. <laughs> roller coasters、yeah. are questionable, but when you're working for somebody else, it's their roller coaster, and you don't know what the twists and turns are, and you don't know that you're safe. When you're on your own journey, it's very empowering. You have the ability, right? You're taking control. You're aligning your work with your values. And you can enjoy the twists, the turns, the loop-de-loops because you know whatever comes next, you are making the choices and those decisions. And that's why I love the the roller coaster analogy. I think I, I really like to listen to this, and I love this. You mentioned that、uh, if you are doing the work which relates to your values, right? Even if it is the arduous journey, or even if the journey is hard one. You would find a way. So, so I mean, what makes you to connect the work with your values? How does it go all together? I first understood that connection three years into building my business and working、mm-hmm. in a client environment that was toxic.、Mm-hmm. Okay. That had been. Absolutely, one of the worst experiences of my career, and personally, I had—I I, I was absolutely speechless at how this client treated me, my team, let alone his own employees. And when I made that decision to quit my client to fire him, it was the scariest decision I've ever made because at that moment in time, he was a key customer. And most of my resources were working for him, so I had to bring a group of people together and say, "Hey, I'm going in and firing the clients, and on Monday we don't have work." And they were thrilled because the environment was so toxic that they hated going to work every day.、Mm-hmm. And in that, I reinforced that mindset that I need to do things that add value. Obviously, to my clients, really to my clients' customers. But if、yeah. I am not getting something of value out of the relationship, it is not worth doing, and it is not worth doing it to my team. So one moment, one really, really hard decision, and that is part and parcel to how I run the business today. Absolutely, I think it's great, and I think you've summed it up in a very, very nice way, saying it's not really worth doing unless it's not deriving the value. Absolutely, I think, I think, I think it's one of one of the key takeaways I would take again from your many、uh, insights. Thank you so much, Lisa, for、uh, taking out time today, and you know, sharing your whole experience,、uh, you know, of over this last so many years, and and into how the whole Uh, people, process management, and the technology pieces stacked together in order to big give uh, what is uh, the center of the universe—the customer experience. Mm-hmm.